Scripture reading this morning, just one verse of Scripture. This morning, I'm asking you to turn to Luke chapter 16, please. As you find Luke 16, if you're able, would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Luke 16, verse 13. Just again, one verse this morning, but a powerful verse, as all of Scripture is, intended for us to be. Luke chapter 16, verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your providence this morning in bringing us together. We thank you for our visitors, Lord. We are grateful that you've provided for them to be here. We ask that you be with those of our church family that are not here for whatever reason that may be. God, we thank you for the word that you put into our pastor's heart and mind this morning. We ask that you use him in a mighty way. Speak through him as your vessel, Lord. Open our hearts. Help us to prepare what you have for us and help us to apply it as we leave this place. God, we are so grateful for you and for your love and for your son, Jesus, and for the gospel given to all mankind. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. Draw nigh to us now, Lord, as we draw nigh unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. Well, I want to thank you all so much for being here this morning. I know that it was a long week, but it was a good week. Amen. Uh, and I was certainly blessed by it. And I know that uh, if you were here all of the nights, uh, then you certainly were as well. And challenged uh, to be soul winners, uh, to be witnesses for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm praying for an impact uh, that we're going to make on our uh, surrounding area, our Jerusalem, if you will. Uh, and even in our state, I think that our church can really uh, have a powerful impact as long as the Holy Spirit uh, is behind it, right? And uh, I'm so thankful for Brother Bain and his ministry to us this past week. And I'm praying that it will con- con- continue to go on here in the weeks ahead. I want to take just a moment. I was asked by our Awana director to go ahead and ask you after the meeting, those of you who are involved in Awana in any way, shape, or form, <clears throat> whether it's uh, you're a leader or maybe you teach one of the classes I just ask that you would please meet him here at the front uh, at the end of our service. It'll be about a five-minute meeting, uh, and then you'll be dismissed to go back and enjoy uh, the fifth Sunday meal. So please don't forget, we're going to have a short, quick Awana meeting over here, uh, and then we will meet you back there for the food. Hopefully I won't keep you too long, but go ahead and take your Bibles if you're not already there. Turn to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. And we'll read verses 1 all the way through verse 13. Thank you, Brother Mike, for reading that verse, that key verse of this passage. We'll read all of these verses together. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 1, And he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man, which had a steward. And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship. For thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. To beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him, and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then said he to another, And how much owest thou? 
And he said, An hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write fourscore. And the Lord commended the unjust steward, because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, Make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is also is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? We come to verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Let's pray together. May we, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the fellowship that's already been had in the Sunday school hour as we've learned, Lord, from your word. And Lord, I ask now as we approach again thy holy scriptures that you would speak to us powerfully, that your Holy Spirit would do the work. And Lord, help us to learn this important principle of stewardship. We love you and we thank you for giving us your son, Jesus. And it's in his precious name. Amen. If you're in the habit of marking your Bibles this morning, I'd like for you to mark this expression found in the middle part of the second verse where it writes, Give an account of thy stewardship. Give an account of thy stewardship. Here in this chapter, we find an earthly story or account that's given to us by the Lord that contains within it a great amount of spiritual truth. And the Lord begins here by telling us that there was a master or a a Lord that had given his goods, his wealth, to a steward. And a steward is someone who manages another person's belongings. It just so happens that this steward, this uh, person that was managing this money or these goods, seems to have forgotten uh, that these things were not his own. Uh, And so, unfortunately, the steward wastes or squanders his goods. Word gets back to the master, the Lord here, and, he, and the Lord uh, brings him in for a reckoning. And he says unto him, give an account of thy stewardship. In other words, he was saying to the, the steward, it's time to set the record straight. It's time to answer for your misappropriation of funds, your stealing and misuse of that which I placed in your trust. And as a result, the master removes him from his privileged position, and he fires him. Now, it seems that this person, it says here in verse number, number three, that it seems that he's too lazy uh, to work, and he, uh, he also seems to be too ashamed, uh, too embarrassed to go beg, which is probably the only good thing about the steward. And it's evident that this man is a, is a crook. But then the master gives him a commendation. Interesting. Notice that in verse number 8. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. 
The Lord commends the unjust steward for his actions and goes on to say that the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Interesting. What is it that the Lord desires for us to learn from this this chapter, this story? Well, the first thing that I'd like for us to see is that you and I have been given a sacred stewardship. A sacred stewardship. We stand before God as stewards, as managers of that which He has decided to give us. Uh, Just as the steward was given a great deal to manage in this, this record, this account, you and I have also been given the stewardship of this life. And if we aren't careful, we can forget that this life is not our own. And that we are simply managers or stewards of it for the Master. There is coming for you and for me and for all people an inevitable meeting with God. An inevitable meeting with God. There will come a day when time is up, when your name is called, and it comes time for you to stand before God and He will say to you, give an account of thy stewardship. Show me, what is it that you've done with my goods, with my gifts? And of course, those who are not in Christ, that meeting, that inevitable meeting with God will be at the great white throne of judgment where there will be, they will be cast into hell forever. But for Christians, it will be at the judgment seat or the Bema seat of Christ where we will be rewarded or not rewarded for how we use those gifts. 2 Corinthians 5, 9-10 says, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Allow me to ask you this question this morning. Right now, as you are seated in these pews, what would that day be like? If God were to take you home in this very moment, what kind of steward have you been? What kind of manager have you been with the life that God has given to you? Uh, Have you been like the steward in this story? Forgetting that you are just the manager of God's goods and pretending as though you're the owner, pretending as though you're the master, pretending like you're the Lord. I'm afraid that all too often in our American culture, we've placed such an emphasis on me, 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 mine, mine, mine. It's my life. It's my possessions. It's my happiness that we've lost the touch with reality that all that we possess, all that we see, taste, touch, feel will one day pass away and none of these earthly things will matter except for how we use them to the glory of God. 1 John 2, 15-17 says, and you know the verse, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But guess what? He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, 
which are God's. Listen to me this morning. God has paid the ultimate price of sacrificing Himself for our sin uh, so that we can have eternal life. And as Pastor Bain mentioned it just a few days ago here, you and I ought to reckon ourselves indeed debtors unto Him. We owe our lives to Jesus, do we not? So I ask you, what kind of rapport, what kind of stewardship will you give to God? Yes, you and I, we have a sacred stewardship. But what are these things that God has put into our trust? Well, you say, you just said it, Pastor Duncan, it's our lives. And yes, that's true. But let's break that down into what I call the four T's of stewardship. Uh, The first of these uh, four T's of stewardship I'll mention is our talents. Our talents. Each of us is born with a certain capacity for different things. Some are gifted uh, in the area of athletics. Maybe you're athletically gifted. Others are gifted with an incredible capacity for knowledge. Some of you are very smart. Some of you are blessed with beauty or with strength or musically gifted. Regardless of whatever talent or gift that God has blessed blessed you with, it is not to be used for our own self-glory, our own pride, our own self-esteem. It is to be developed and used to God's glory. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. That includes our talents. But with those physical talents, God has also blessed us uh, Christians with spiritual gifts. Go ahead and turn over to Romans chapter 12. Spiritual gifts. Romans chapter 12. And let's read verses 4 through 8 together. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Romans chapter 12. Let's begin in verse 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministry, ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness." Here in this passage alone, we find the gifts of encouragement, giving, leadership, mercy, service, teaching, and prophecy. Now, that word prophecy, I want you to mark that word here. Uh, We're not talking about the supernatural ability uh, to foretell the future here. We're talking about the ability to speak the truth boldly. As one man said to me, there are two types of prophecy. There is foretelling and there is forthtelling. And here in this passage, we're referring to Forthtelling, telling the truth with boldness. And God says that we are all gifted uh, with these different spiritual gifts. Some of us have one, some of us have several. But we're to use them for the glory of God by ministering to one another as the body of Christ and to the world. So what gift or gifts, plural, has God given to you? Do you know what those gifts are? And are you using it and uh, developing it? 
looking for opportunities. It is wrong, sinful for us to not use and develop these spiritual gifts from God. And it's time and it's the job of our church to help and recognize what those things are and then give you the opportunity to use them. Now, we do, I want to preface by saying that we do know that the gifts of you know, tongues, healing, uh, foretelling the future, what we're talking about, prophecy there, are passed with the completed word of God. 1 Corinthians 13, 8-10 says, But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, or that which is complete is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. With the completed canon of Scripture, the 66 books that you and I hold today, and our King James Version of the Bible, the sign gifts, cease to be a regular ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer and in the ministry of the church. And honestly, this topic truly deserves an entire sermon or sermon series, uh, but I can tell you that these gifts are not in operation among believers today. But how shameful. It is when we have these talents, we have these spiritual gifts that God has so richly blessed us with. And we never develop them or use them for His glory. May God help us to recognize our gifts and to use them. So number one, I want us to recognize the first T of stewardship is our talents, our spiritual gifts. Number two, I want us to recognize our time. Our time. Our time is a valuable stewardship. The average lifespan of men today is 73 years of age. For women, it's 79. Now, you can come up with all the reasons as to why that is. But it is exactly as the psalmist wrote. The days of our years are threescore years. That's 60 years and 10. That's 70 years. And if by reason of strength, they be four score years, that's 80 years. Yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Our time is short. James 4.14 says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth yet for a little time, and then vanisheth away. Our life is like a vapor. It's here one moment and then it's gone the next. Visible one second and just like that it disappears down the corridors of history. I think of Job while contemplating his own life. He makes the statement, man that is born of women is of few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. You know, I think a lie that the devil has convinced many of us, especially us young people, is that we have all the time in the world. But our life is but a blink in the eye of the grand scheme of things. So what are we are to do? Are we to squander? Are we to wallow in self-pity? Are we to waste these precious moments before we pass the threshold into eternity? No. We are to do as Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5, 15-18 where he says, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. 
All that time that's been wasted with our lives, whether I don't care what it is, you name it, we are to buy back that time by making full use of the moments that we have in the future. Redeeming the time. Buying back. Making the use of the remainder. Understanding exactly what God's will is for our lives. And then doing it. You say, well, how do I understand the will of God? How do I know what God's will is for my life? Well, many of us are so out of touch with God that we don't even, we've forgotten what the voice of God even is. Sit down to study the scriptures and I just don't hear God. When in reality, our relationship with Him has been waning. May God help us to see that our time is short and make full use of these moments. Jesus said, I must work the works of Him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Hey, the night is coming in your life. I'd sit down and write out the priorities in life, make a list. Make it clear. What is it that you want your life to count for? What is it that you want the time that you've spent on this earth to amount to? And can I just say, any time spent in God's will for your life is time well spent. Time well invested. Because its purchases are eternal. It will have been stewarded well. Look back here at our passage in Luke chapter 16. And notice again this somewhat of a rebuke that God gives the, the children of light here. Verse number 8, back in, back in our passage in Luke. Let's read it again. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. The Lord is saying here that the children of this world work harder and are more wise with the use of their time and their resources in attaining the finite, temporary rewards of this world than Christians are at at, at attaining the true riches. In other words, if we truly believe in what we're saying here, if we truly believe that there is a heaven and that there is a hell and that lost people are going to die and go there for all eternity... Why do we waste so much time? Why do we care so little about telling people about Jesus? May God help us, help our church, not to be, not for this not to be said of us. This ought to be a wake-up call. And it ought not be named among us in our church. May we be a church that is stewarding our time well. Time is a precious commodity, precious gift from God. May we use it for His glory. Number one, I I said, uh, notice our talents. Number two, our time. Number three, I'd like for us to notice here our treasure. Our treasure. Our finances. Our money. Our mammon is a tool. It is not our master. Notice that with me in verses 9 through 13. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that's, that's money, 
that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. What's God telling us here? There is a reason that we are to use our money on this earth as a tool to get people saved who will one day welcome you to eternity. Now, what am I saying there? I'm not saying that uh, you can get somebody saved by handing them a $50 bill. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's certainly not the truth. But what I am saying is that there's a reason that we invest so much money into things like gospel literature. Uh, We send missionaries around the globe. Uh, There's a reason that we invest in nice facilities and we want to take care of the things that God has given us because we want to be a representation of God to this lost world. And we want to make it easy for them to come to the gospel. We we would never want to do anything that would bring reproach upon the name of the Lord Jesus. And that includes the way that we use our finances. There's a reason we not only tithe, but give to all these things like missions, supplies, gospel literature, because it is a tool that we use for the furtherance of God's kingdom. And we will be rewarded for it. And next we see that there is a direct tie. There's an an unnoticeably good tie here between the mammon of unrighteousness and the true riches here. Notice verses 10 through 12. The unrighteous mammon, the true riches. He that is faithful, he that is unfaithful. Warren Wearsby says it this way in his commentary. He says, People who are unfaithful in the way they use money are also unfaithful in the way they they use the true riches of God's kingdom. We cannot be orthodox in our theology and heretical in the way that we use money. God will not commit true riches to individuals or ministries that waste money. This is why it's so important that we be careful on things like uh, the money that we use to support missionaries. We want to make sure that they're worthy of our support because it's not our money. It's God's money, and we're just managing it for Him. I think of Paul when it came to Paul was extremely cautious and completely transparent. Uh, He says here, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Uh, That's why, personally, I I don't think it's a good idea, these churches who are sitting on these large amounts of money, when in reality, they could be used for the furtherance of the gospel. So are we to be. If we aren't careful or watchful, we can allow money itself to become our priority. Chasing material wealth can easily become the target of our crosshairs and not God. Jesus leaves here no wiggle room for the Christian when it comes to who we serve. We cannot, let me say that again, we cannot be serving God and mammon at the same time. It's impossible. We cannot be serving two things at once. For either we will be using God for money, for wealth, which is what we see many Christians doing today, right? Uh, They see God as a means for them to receive health, wealth, and prosperity. Or you can choose to use money to honor God. So it's either God to get money, or which really never happens, 
or money to honor God. There is no in between. You're either on one side of the fence or you are on the other. So we notice here the three T's so far. I hope that you've been writing these down. Our talents, our time, our treasure. And the last one is the truth. The truth. You and I have been recipients of the truth of God's holy word. And we are responsible for what we do with it. 1 Timothy 3.15 says, But if I tarry long, and you know the verse, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth of God's Word. Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. The church, this is an amazing thing, the church is the instrument by which God upholds His truth. What a, what, a, what a stewardship. And by the way, there's a lot in God's Word, isn't there? The Gospel is at the forefront, right? We want to get the Gospel to every person, every creature, right? But can I just say that Christians are not just to preach the Gospel. Yes, preaching the Gospel is, is, is of utmost importance. I think that we, if there's one thing that we took away from this past week, it's that the Gospel should be preached, Amen. But we're to preach the truth. We're to speak the truth in love. I think that Christians ought to be engaged in a whole lot more than just preaching the gospel. Speaking the truth on on matters in our day. There's a lot of confusion going around. And it's partly, excuse me, mostly because the church has failed to stand upon the truth of the word of God. cowering away, being pragmatic in their approach. Hey, as long as, it, as long as I can get the gospel to somebody, it's okay. And that's not the way the Bible works. That's not the way God works. It's not the way Jesus worked during His ministry. Yes, the gospel will be offensive, but in many cases, the truth itself is offensive. Now, we can say it lovingly. We ought to say it with a kind spirit and a loving spirit, not just because uh, you know, we want to deceive that person into thinking that we care about them, but because we truly do care about them. There ought to be a genuine compassion and love for other people. But we cannot get rid of the truth or compromise what is right, what is Bible, because it's going to hurt somebody's feelings. Can't do it. Must stand upon the truth. Because, guys, when, when our day is up, Ladies and gentlemen, when our time is up and we stand before God to give an account of our stewardship, the truth that we have, we will be held responsible. Think of in Hebrews where it says, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Instead of looking outward at all the problems on the outside, we ought to look inward a little bit too. Now, of course, we're talking about look, lift up our eyes, look on the fields. Yes, our eyes need to be upon the fields wide and ready unto harvest. But guess what? Instead of blaming all of them for the problems, we ought to start looking inward and fix the problems here. Instead of blaming, hey, the world is going to be the world. Sinners are going to sin. That's what, born, that's what non-born again people do. That's what we did before we were saved. 
But as Christians, we ought to hold ourselves to a higher standard. And that standard is Jesus Christ. Faithful heralds of the truth. We have been chosen to proclaim His word to a lost and dying world. It is our job, our stewardship, to preach the truth, especially the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that anybody who calls upon Him in faith shall be saved. So this morning, as I conclude with this, I would like for, for you to think about this. What will it be like when you stand before Christ at the judgment seat? And the judgment seat hasn't happened yet. There will come a day when Christians will stand before Christ. It hasn't happened yet. Thousands and thousands of Christians in the past have died and have yet to stand and be rewarded for their, their faithfulness on this earth. When we go before Christ, when you go before Christ, what will it be like? Will you have squandered it, wasted it, like this unjust steward did? Wasting it on our own pleasures and self-gratification that's so prevalent in our American culture? Or will you have been faithful to use the talents, time, treasure, and truth that God has placed in your trust for His glory. Think of that. You're a steward. You're responsible for the things that God has put into your trust. What a privilege. Not just a responsibility, but a privilege. It's an honor to steward God's goods. Allow me to remind you of this one verse, and then we'll be done. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Moreover, it is required, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Let's all stand together. And as our musicians come forward to play for our time of invitation, I want to invite you to come down to this altar. Maybe you haven't been the steward that God desires for you to be with your life up until this point. And it's time to get things right. And as we've mentioned over and over again over the past many days, we've talked about, hey, it's not about some emotional response. It's not about uh, coming down here and being worried about what people are thinking about you. It's, it's not about that. This is between you and the Lord. It's time to get things right. And redevote your life, your stewardships to Jesus and to His, His kingdom. Let's all stand together. We'll take our hymnals. We'll sing hymn number 388. 388. 388 as the piano begins to play. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. I hope you want to be faithful. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. 